1: One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United
2: Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com.
1: Mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. Add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. Get 50% off your first card at Moonpig.com.
0: Moonpig.com I'm a feminist, but the other day I went to see my personal trainer. That's right. That's right, I can squat and I can lunge. And he was making me do... Something he called the combat crawl, which was plank from the hands to plank to the elbows, plank from the hands, plank to the elbows, plank to the hands, plank to the elbows. And in my inability to breathe and my desire to live, I looked up at him and said, I think this exercise is for boys. <laughs> and he looked out and said, You could do anything a boy could do. And I looked up and said, That's factually inaccurate. <laughs> <laughs>
3: I love that. It's like Tuesday is leg day and the Wednesday is uh, intersectional feminist day. (laughs) I'm a feminist, but when listening to someone uh, speak openly about their trouble with binging, I googled ice cream nearby. (laughs) Because I was inspired. (laughs) And it really was a low point. And I was like, I really fancy ice cream right now.
0: I'm a feminist, but I recently got in a taxi with some other guilty feminists when we were touring together. And we called the taxi and it was on a fixed fee. And they were making him wait because people had, oh, I've left my phone in the dressing room. Oh, I oh, think I noticed. I've now got a chat to somebody on the, pa- someone's come up to say hi, or a mate was in, and, it, and this poor man was sitting there with the patience of a saint, and it was in Glasgow. I was like, oh, God, and I kept saying, oh, we'll, you know, put the meter on, it's a fixed fee. And I was like, no, they'll, they'll be here in just a second. And I said, I'll make sure we give you a really good tip. And he said, well, that would be appreciated. So then he drives us, like, it was such a short distance as well, I felt so sorry for the man, like, around the corner or something like that. So I did give him a really big tip at the end because I felt like he'd waited the length of time that it took to drive us there. Uh, He said, oh, that's very generous. And I said, well, we're feminists. We won't shaft you. (laughs) And then he said, I'm just gonna ask you one thing. When you get out, give that door a big slam like a proper angry woman. (laughs) And I did and I loved him for saying that. (sighs) Loved him. I thought that was really charming. Yeah. I, not, looking back, it wasn't, but <laughs> I don't know that it was meant to be. He was basically saying, "Oh, you're a feminist, you're an angry woman," but I just really liked the sort of like we were having a bonding moment, you know? Yeah. And he wanted to say, "Is like, don't just part but then somebody said, "I saw him get out." The t- our tour manager said, "I saw him get out," and he was shutting all the doors again. He was polishing things. He was brushing crumbs off the back seat after you got out. Apparently, yeah. we wrecked his cab. <laughs> oh.
3: <laughs> That's feminism. That's- yeah. I'm a feminist, but I watch UFC. And it upsets me more to see the women punch each other in the face than it does the men. Because they're just prettier. Um, I know. Also, what I love about UFC as well is that they get into each other's uh, life stories. And a lot of, not a lot, about four of the UFC women fighters have been uh, survivors of sexual assault. And I'm a survivor of sexual assault, so I always go for the person that's been sexually assaulted to get them to win. I'm like, you beat that woman up in the face. (laughs) She hasn't been for what you've been through. (laughs) It's like a football team, you know? It's like, yay, shared trauma, you know? (laughs) Sorry, I'm really confused. What is the UFC? Oh, it's like Ultimate Fighting Championship. And it's now open up to women, because equality. Um... Is this an Irish thing? No. No. It was at one point And then, oh. Um. <laughs> do you remember? Do you remember three years ago? I was like, go on. And now it's like, oh. Um. So UFC, is Ultimate Fighting Championship. It's basically boxing, kicking, whatever. Anything except kicking in the face or the balls. Those are the two things you can't do. Anything else, fair game. It's like a chipper fight. I'm a feminist, but I really want to do that now. Yeah. it's the best. I'm going to do this one, just in case I'm too afraid to say I was sexually assaulted on a podcast. Is that all right? In,
0: in the middle of a joke,
3: yeah. Yeah, sure. do you know? There's no need to slip that in at that time. Uh, <laughs> save it for Christmas. <laughs> when I've had a few drinks. Did you know? <laughs> and they're like, we're trying to enjoy dinner. No, fuck you. Uh, <laughs> I'll say when. <laughs> I'm a feminist, but when I walked through town with my boyfriend and another male friend last Saturday, I involved myself in several altercations between men and women. Right? Not because I thought the two men would fight the lads who were involved in the altercations, but because I knew the men would go for the other men first and I could run away. <laughs> so, <laughs> I was basically using my partner and his friend as, like... <laughs> Human shields. So I'd be like, you leave her alone. Do you know? It it felt great. Oh, it did, yeah. We got a guy um, arrested and everything. So it was good. Yeah. Because he was causing trouble and then he started jerking off in a doorway. So the police were like, oh, yeah, we have to... (laughs) I'm a feminist, but I'm
0: never... Ever going to not be surprised by what Alison Spittle says next? (laughs) Live from the Women's Work Festival. have an assistant tonight she is a burgeoning stand-up comedian uh from northern ireland um and she's only 17 years of age i know and she's already been to the edinburgh festival flying the northern irish comedy flag and uh somebody gave us these amazing feminist cupcakes just to give us a cheer if you sent these back oh thank you so much we noticed that our audience are feeders and they, what they normally send back is something like a vegan gluten-free brownie because they make assumptions correctly. And <laughs> feminist food. There's always vegans and gluten-free in the dressing room. They are correct. But sometimes you can taste the gluten-free. Now these seem to be full of everything because they're delicious. These have made no compensations to anybody. <laughs> But on the top, there's pictures of feminists and on the back, quotes. So we can't eat all of these because we ate all of the ones on the tour and we have to stop at some point. I've had two. I've had myself and Tina Fey. Um, And it's a very intersectional box. So I look at myself and I question it. I question, I go, why did you have yourself and Tina Faye? But they just were the closest and looked delicious. Kate, could, would you be my glamorous assistant? I've, I'm a feminist, but I think I've just said to a young woman who's a stand-up comedian in Belfast, would you be my glamorous assistant? I was being right, I was being tongue-in-cheek. What I mean is my feminist power sister. Thank you. Okay. No, I'm
4: definitely glamorous.
0: I, I'm so sorry, my glamorous feminist power sister. <laughs> Okay, um, so this is Kate Talbot. She's a Northern Irish comedian. You're going to be seeing a lot more of her over the... This years. So, Kate, it's now your job to read out a feminist cupcake slogan... ...and whoever guesses it wins it. For people... <laughs> don't... Yeah, don't, Yes, yeah, hide it, hide it. This is poker. This is basically poker. I'm funny, I'm not smart. <laughs> <laughs> it's not true, but it's a great line.
4: For people who are not people of colour or LGBT, it is being an ally and advocate in spaces that people of colour or LGBT people can't really get into.
0: Okay, who said that? Donald Trump. (laughs) Wow. God, I wish. Can you imagine if there was just like, you know, Chimamanda, Michelle Obama, (laughs) you know, Mary Wollstonecraft and Donald Trump in the... (laughs) The wild card in the feminist he, cupcake bingo. He gets so confused, he might just say it someday. <laughs> <laughs> he does actually. I'll tell you what, the way to do it would be to get Obama to say the opposite. And are, mm. Does anyone know who that is? Does anyone want to have a go? Is it? I don't know who that is. <laughs> I don't know why. Show the originators. Jessica Williams. Jessica Williams! I know very well who Jessica Williams is. She's one of two dope queens. She used to be on The Daily Show. I know her very well. So, uh, nobody won that, not even the people who made the cupcakes. (laughs) Did you know who said it? Yeah, you didn't. Josie knows. Josie, get one of your own cupcakes. Woo! Okay, is it alright for you to read this one? Yeah. Good. Okay, super.
4: Tell him I was too fucking busy, or vice versa.
0: Tell him I was too fucking busy, or vice versa. It is not Bette Midler. Who is it? Dorothy Ooh. Parker, correct! Yeah! Okay, she's up there. Excellent. And we'll do one more. Writing in a foreign language has brought me to the cries of the women silently rebelling in my youth to my own true origins. It's beautiful, but who said it? Who is it? Who? She's an Algerian activist I've never heard of because I'm a bad feminist. (laughs) Did anyone get that right? Ian Paisley Jr. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Does anyone feel they deserve a cupcake for (laughs) feminist reasons? (laughs) Loads of people. Give away, be like Oprah. Everyone gets a cupcake. Come on. Kate, have you had one? I have not. (laughs) Kate should have one because she's been doing all the running.
3: Kate now, come on, hurry up. (laughs)
0: Funny not fast. Um, Two what? The two there are two mums there.
3: Oh yeah, they sorry? Grania's two mums. Grania's two mums? Yeah. Definitely. Do you know what, weirdly, there are
0: two cupcakes left. And Grania has two mums. I think we've all done some feminist maths. Feminist cupcake bingo. (laughs) Okay, are we ready for our Audacity episode? I'm ready. Okay, so that was part of the Audacity episode because cupcake bingo requires audacity. (laughs) Firstly, you've got to be audacious enough to make cupcakes and you know, go out, get your pictures of your feminists, get the quotes, put them on the back, send them backstage and hope the
3: comedians come out and do something with that. Yeah, and you've got to be audacious enough to eat it. I mean, you don't know those people. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure they're great, <laughs> do you know?
0: Are you suggesting there's Rohypnol and there's cupcakes or something?
3: I, I wasn't going to maybe raisins. I don't
1: know.
3: <laughs> I mean...
0: <laughs> These are not the kind of women to hide raisins and cupcakes. They're not monsters. they're generous, <laughs> generous women.
3: Hello Guilty Feminists, it's Jessica Regan here. I'm delighted to announce some more autumn dates for our Guilty Feminist Big Speeches workshops happening at the Rose and Crown Theatre in Walthamstow. So these workshops are taking place on Sundays, Sunday the 22nd of September, the 29th of September and October 6th and October 13th. So they're all happening at the Rose and Crown Theatre pub in Walthamstow and if you want to come and find your voice and take your space, please get on the website, Guilty Feminist forward slash big speeches to book your place. Our first workshop is nearly sold out, so do get on it to avoid disappointment. Looking forward to seeing you there.
0: Please welcome to the stage, Alison Spital!
3: Hello. Hello. Um, Jesus. It's because I dropped the sexual assault bomb now. You're going to have to laugh at everything or it'll trigger me. So. (laughs) Sorry. So. (laughs) Ah, sure. Uh, So. Um, audacity. So, uh, yeah, I've moved to London from Dublin, and I got robbed eight times when I lived in Dublin. I got flashed as well. Has anyone ever got flashed before? So, I've had two different incidents where a fella had a knife in my house, and a fella who had a crowbar in my house. Both were less scary than some fucker at the side of the road was making out, you know? (laughs) Like, you see that shit? You're like, what were you pointing that thing? You know? What happened was I was cycling and I heard this. Oh hello. Oh hello. And I was cycling. I was like, Alison, don't look up. Don't look up. It's definitely a fellow that's fucking the past you, right? It's definitely. And then another part of my head was like, but maybe like it's an eccentric rich man who's going to give you money. Look at him, Alison. Show him your eyes. Maybe he'll give you the money, right? <laughs> Take a chance. So I looked up anyway, and lo and behold, there was a lad and he was waving. He was waving in a really weird way. He was waving he was waving at basically exposed genitalia, right? I'd scared the shit out of me. I cycled home very quick and I got home and I got on to my flatmates and they were like, Jesus Alison, what's wrong? I was like, some dirty bastards after showing me his Mickey, right? And they were like, God oh, no, come in, come in. So they brought me in and they made me a cup of tea and I calmed down significantly. 'Cause uh, lads, if someone makes you a cup of tea and you don't calm down, you're fucked. <laughs> like Yeah. There's something really wrong. There's <laughs> something so Got home anyway and uh, was sitting there and they called the police, the guards, and uh, what was amazing was like when I've been robbed before the guards have a different attitude. The police have a different attitude. But when I got flashed, they came into the front door and they kicked in the front well, they didn't kick it in now, in fairness. Someone's been flashed, let's kick in her door. <laughs> it's the only way to help. <laughs> You give her two shocks, it's like the hiccups. <laughs> <you know? laughs> she'll get over it, she'll be grand. So <laughs> so uh, got in anyway and I could hear the police come up the hallway and like, these are Irish police and these are two hunks of mayo ham, like just in high vis <laughs> vest, coming in the hallway. And they go, don't worry about it at all. Don't worry about it at all. He wouldn't have touched you at all. He wouldn't have touched you at all. He's what's known as a voyeur, right? <laughs> and I just love an Irish man trying to sound French, do you know what I mean? Especially when it's about something traumatic. <laughs> <laughs> so they came in anyway and they were like, uh, they were taking down details and they were like, uh, so they, first of all, they were like, the offending object. Um, <laughs> was it circumcised, was it not, right? And I basically had to admit to a guard that I'd never seen a penis that wasn't in the dark. <laughs> right? Because Catholic, you know? You gotta... <laughs> you got standards. <laughs> so... I, I basically admitted to the guard that I was a frigid, right? <laughs> and like, he was writing into a notebook, not the frigids. They've after attacking our very own, do you know, our most vulnerable, do you know. So I couldn't give him a good description with that. So then they said, uh, "What was he wearing?" And I was like, "Well, because um, I was just trying to be overly descriptive." Then I was like, "Well, he was dressed like a member of the Backstreet Boys <laughs> from the late 90s, right?" And the guard wrote that down. The policeman wrote that down. What an amazing man. And I think, like, I just love to think of him later on, on the police radio, going, <coughs> All right, lads. Uh, Nick Carter has struck again, you guys. He's insatiable. <sighs> back streets, back, all right. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, So since moving to London, I feel unsafe. I do, because it's just a new city, you know, and I have to kind of get used to it and get my bearings. But what I do, and I don't know if you do this, ladies. Hey, ladies. Do you ever, like, put keys between your fingers before you leave the house? Oh, I love it. I call it tooling myself up. I'm like... You pick the keys as well to do the most damage. You're like, which one shall go to the ball today? you pick the sharpest one for this knuckle right and then you put like the most bluntest biggest one on the little finger you know just in case and what I find is since moving to London I got an electrical fob key so I got one of those little flat plastic keys to open up gates and it just hangs from my hand like a bollocks you know just just useless getting in the way that type of thing and like, you know, I'm walking around like an artisanal wolverine, right? <laughs> Ready for anything, right? But this fob has put me off. I'm like, how do I make use of this fob in self-defense? And then I was like, well, maybe, hopefully now, the fellow who attacks me, he might have a heart condition or something like that, you know? Maybe a pacemaker. And you could just shove the fob up to his chest and go, you shouldn't be doing crimes in your condition. And then running away. <laughs> It would be amazing. I've had a great time. Uh, thank you so much for having me. I hope you have a lovely night.
0: Alison spit everybody! Hello, guilty feminists. It's me just briefly interrupting your podcast listening to let you know about something very, very exciting. On Thursday, 12th of September, this Thursday, at the London Podcast Festival, I am doing a show called Guilty Feminist House on Fire with Lem Sisay. He's an incredible poet who has a book out now that has the number one on the Sunday Times bestseller list, and it has had five-star reviews. He and I are doing this show where we're getting to know each other live on stage, in conversation, in poetry, in comedy, in joy in Fury. It's at King's Place at 7pm and it's just gone on sale so you can still get tickets. It's kingsplace.co.uk. Get in and get them now. I'm so excited about this show. On Saturday the 14th of September, The Guilty Feminist will be at the proms. This is a regular Guilty Feminist show with me and Jade Adams, guests mezzo-soprano Jamie Barton and composer Erilyn Wallen. It's 2.30 p.m. in the afternoon at Byte Hall, spelt B-E-I-T, near the Royal Albert Hall. It's the last afternoon of the last night of the proms. Do not miss it. There are not many tickets for this left. Go to guiltyfeminist.com for tickets. On Sunday, the 15th of September, I am doing a storytelling night called One Track Minds at Wilms Music Hall. It's a fundraising event. It starts at 5 p.m. and it's me, David Suchet, Katie Mellua and more. Go to wiltons.org.uk for tickets. And this week, I'm going to see Stiletto Beach, a play by the amazing Sadie Hassler, who came on the podcast recently. She talked about this show and now it's a reality. She's genuinely one of the greatest playwrights I know. And this play upends the stereotype of the Essex girl. It's at Queen's Theatre Hornchurch till 28th of September I'm going this Wednesday. If you'd like to go any night, go to queens-theatre.co.uk for tickets. And for those in New York, I want to tell you that Millie Thomas's amazing play Dust that I told you about just got the New York Times Critics Pick. So get tickets while you can. New York Theatre Workshop. I'll be going when I'm in New York later this month. Wednesday, the 6th of November. I am at the Dublin Podcast Festival with the Guilty Feminist. It's 8.30pm at Vicar Street, honestly my favourite venue. Go to Ticketmaster.ie for tickets or find it on the Guilty Feminist website. Can't wait to come back to Dublin. See you there, gang. You are their best audience.
1: Now back to the podcast. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact
0: Past. Two audacious women came up to me tonight, and I wish to reward audacity and feminists, if it's the right kind of audacity, which it was. Gender Chores are a punk, a punk feminist band. Does anyone know them? OK, if you don't know them, you can see them tonight at uh, Women's Word Showcase at the Oh Yes Centre after this gig. So if this gig has got you all worked up and you feel like you need to jump up and down some, gender chores. Go out of here and jump up and down to feminist punk. But the other person is somebody who came up and told me about an issue that's really important to her and she just said, how can I get this message out there? And I said, you can get it out with audacity. You've come up to talk to me come up onto the stage and tell everyone. Uh, so Sarah Rose, where are you? Big round of applause for Sarah Rose. Yeah. So come up to the front. Yeah, come up to the front, because we've only got two minutes because we need to get our guest on. So Sarah Rose, can you give us your two-minute TED Talk on what you want to talk about?
4: Okay, so hi, I'm Sarah Rose. I have an Instagram called My Pelvic Pain. So I've been suffering from pelvic pain for 10 years now in Belfast, growing up with this. There's not a lot of information, there's not a lot of help out there. It took me nine years to get someone to believe that I was actually in pelvic pain. Um, so last year I was diagnosed with a condition called pelvic floor dysfunction, which a lot of people don't know, they're not aware of it. There's not a lot of help out there and I'm currently investigating endometriosis, which inspects one in 10 women. So that's 10% of women. Currently in Northern Ireland, we don't actually have any endometriosis clinics, don't have any specialists. You don't rep- have any endometriosis clinics in the whole of Northern Ireland? Or in the Republic?
3: Yeah. We're shit,
4: we're shit too so we, like. have, we have we have gynecologists that have an
0: interest but they're not actually accredited oh if they have an interest oh well, that's nice no yeah. literally here it, that's what they A&M said churches, fishing that's know, they, uh, I like to watch Game of Thrones
4: uh, what an interest no that's what they said because I was like but you're not accredited like, well, we've got an interest but okay. yeah so, so what can we do to help what we're trying to do is kind of raise awareness of this and myself, I'm talking about my journey, so to get treatment is quite long. If you want to get an NHS trust transfer to England, it can take up to a year because there's five steps to get there. So you have to get a referral from your GP, you go to the first legal tribunal to get funding, you go to the second legal tribunal to get funding, you then, if you pass all the steps, have to go and see if there's a consultant in England who will then treat you. You then go on their waiting list and then you go on the standard waiting list, it's in England.
0: So you have an Instagram yeah. called... My Pelvic Pain. My Pelvic Pain. Yeah. Everybody follow. Yeah. And if you can put instructions there as to how we can help. Yeah, so currently I'm going
4: private, unfortunately. Like, I'm just getting all the debt on my credit card. Because it's been 10 years, can't hack it anymore. I need to go see a specialist and try and get my insides sorted out. If we don't have the right to choose over our bodies, how are we going to have the right to choose over our women's health? It all feeds on the same basis. Yeah. It's all together. You know, it wasn't until I was engaged and about to get married that people sorted. Caring about my pelvic pain up until then, it was like, oh wait, hang on, you've had sex, that's why you're in pain. Mm. It was the whole thing. It was until, oh, you get married, or oh, you're going to have to have a baby, or oh, you're going to have to give your husband a wedding night. We'll sort you out. Mm. And it's the whole cycle. And it's not just me and Belfast, it's the whole of Ireland. We're yeah. all suffering in this. Okay. And
0: we deserve better. <laughs> Big round of applause for Sarah Rose, for my pelvic pain on Instagram. Okay. Our guest today is the author of the book, Don't Touch My Hair. This book is becoming an absolute phenomenon. The author is absolutely incredible. Please welcome to the stage, Emma Dabiri.
3: Yeah.
0: Come take a seat. How are you, Belfast? Yeah. <laughs> So Emma, you're over here at the Belfast Literary Festival and you've been talking about your book, signing copies of it. Yes. Can you please tell us about it?
2: The book is called Don't Touch My Hair. So I guess the title is pretty explanatory. But for those of you who don't know what I'm referencing, it's the phenomenon whereby black women and men as well, particularly those of us who've grown up in or been in quite white environments, experience the unsolicited and unauthorized touching of our hair pretty much constantly. So the title is in reference to that. But the book is about a lot more than that. It's like a history and kind of social commentary on black hair. But it talks about a lot of things, but uses hair as the kind of jumping off points to cover a whole host of topics.
3: Yeah, because in the book you say that like black hair is a political issue. Sorry, I've listened to it so I don't know how to ask a question. In, like You said a really good thing about this. I'm, I'd be a shit in a chat show, basically. <laughs> you, wouldn't. <laughs> you wouldn't, Alison. <laughs> don't you say would... that. Your first
0: guess would be Jesus. Your second guess would be Mr. Tato. <laughs> and then it would turn into a porno. No... <laughs> um, can, I just, can I just say about Mr. T- about Mr. <laughs> yeah, Tato? Please, um,
2: please. I actually find the way he has Appear like really obscene like <laughs> sorry yes. like I came off the plane today and I just like in George Best Airport I just seen like Mr. Potato like not Mr. Potato, Mr. Taito. Mr. Tato, I know, Call him by his name. <laughs>
0: Mr.
2: Ber- Potato Ms. is his Potato. father's name.
0: <laughs> I- <sighs> It's a bit like um, nasty, Mac- filthy, McNa- filthy, <laughs> McNasty. Really nasty. That net, my
2: husband was called Nasty McQuaid, so there's quite a significance. But between- he's not called that anymore. He's um, he's been given a new name. But his his name for a long time was Nasty McQuaid. So Is I was he, really relating to what that. What do you mean he was Is given, given kind a kinder McQuaid? <laughs> Because he's a DJ and his DJ name was Nasty McQuaid. But he was given that because of, well, his surname being McQuaid
0: and his behaviour. Um, <laughs> <laughs> see, that's meant to tip women off. But you just looked past it and married him. <laughs> Do you know how we met? Like, it's so
2: unfeminist. Oh, uh, no, um, so he So I went to see a band and he was the DJ like, that was playing kind of between the bands. And we were outside on the street afterwards he was behind me. Somebody came up to me and they were like, oh, where are you from? Or what's your mix or something? And I was like, what's well, your mix? Yeah. Wow. <laughs> I that's, mean, that's these are real don't touch my hair. These things happen regularly. Wow. That, so I um, indulged them. I told them my mix. I was like, I'm Irish and Nigerian. And I just heard someone behind me being like, you're fucked then. <laughs> 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 that's a shit mix. What? <laughs> I was just like, excuse me but it really caught my attention because usually people are like oh that's so fascinating that's so exotic but i was like oh this is new this yeah is yeah new.
3: shit mix sounds like the death metal tribute band to little mix don't it <laughs> <laughs> just a of your love is enough to give me <laughs>
0: <laughs> i
2: don't know how i got there i don't no, care <laughs> i said. Like you,
0: so, yeah, that's how you met your husband, and presumably he turned it around after that because it what, was it was provocative. He, it was sort of it, that's an example of audacity, though, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He completely, wasn't completely. saying it was a shit mix, he was saying he was basically making a joke about oppression and did martialization. He, yeah, did yeah,
3: he, yeah. Did he back up his claims of how it was shit, though? Did he, like, what was the second? I'm more interested in the second line <laughs> of how he saved it. <laughs> Do you, you know what? It's all kind of blurry
2: now because this is like a very, very long time ago. I just remember that opening gambit mm. and the yeah, I think I he could, was
0: saying there's intersections of marginalisation yeah. that's what he was saying and also it's like, a very feminist thing to say exactly
2: exactly I I, he would totally agree I mean it <laughs> depends
0: how hot he is how feminist that is he looks like Mr how, Tato how feminist I can, <laughs> I can how feminist I'm I can that is never introducing you yeah is he hotter than Mr Tato or <laughs> on a good day yeah yeah <laughs> But you find Mr. Tato quite obscene.
2: Yeah, so I really don't like him with the features. Like, yeah. so I came off the plane and saw him everywhere, and I was just like, "Oh, it's like Mr. Tato, but not as I know him." No. And I just couldn't like place what was so wrong about him. I was just like, "Oh, that's really off key." Yeah. And then when you were describing the chisel jaw and the feet, I was like, "That's what it is. He's got loads of features. Like, he's I, I'm not used
0: to that. I'm just used to like kind of a he's so
2: you're wrong. So you're right. used to
0: the Republic of Ireland, Mr. Tato, yeah. who's much more. Nebulous. He's He's just a crisp in a jacket, I think.
3: <laughs> but would you rather fuck a crisp in a jacket or a potato, a potato with, with, a, tr- like with a strong jaw? Yeah. It's like... I'd rather <laughs> fuck a potato
0: with a strong jawline. Yeah, a crisp in a jacket. I'm gonna go crisp in a jacket. Well, listen, we can go out drinking together because we're never going to go after the same guys. I mean, that's, I'll mean, i be like, Crispin and Jack at 12 o'clock. You'll be like, potato with a Jaw, 4 p.m. And I'll be like, boom, see you back here later, sister. After I have the baby, you're, you're on. Let's do it, yeah. Yeah, yeah. To be fair, you're probably not going out looking to pick up many crisps, crisp-based men at the moment. You're, you're pregnant. You've got a book out. You're busy. But come October. Come October. <laughs> It's crisp um, time. It's, it's crispy crisp time. This is not relevant to your book. Now, it's not. Uh, I'm sorry. I didn't really tell, tell me No. About no, the no. Book. It's quite a relief to not be talking about I, it. I bet I bet absolutely. So the book is about
3: political Can you do another book called Don't Touch My
0: Crisps? <laughs> or Back off my tato, man. Yeah, there you go. But I think that would be too contentious. Like yeah. <laughs> Back, Back off my tato. Do people really just go up and touch your hair? Like, without your permission?
2: Yeah, to be honest, like, when it's like this, not so much. It mostly happens to me when it's in its natural state, which is, like, just a very big afro. And just because um, it's a
0: podcast, when you say when it's like this, could you just describe it?
2: Oh, yeah, so these are boho braids, they're called. It's a type of... Um, attachment called crochet braiding so what's going on is my own hair is cornrowed underneath and then these are extensions
0: which are stitched on to the cornrows it's extremely cool and I'm definitely not going to ask to touch it just to be very very clear it wouldn't occur to me though but I do have friends who say that people will just touch it without asking yeah in a club they'll just grab it they'll just go oh look your hair and they don't know them at
2: all yeah, or they'll ask, but they're not like waiting for your answer because, like, I'm in
3: the process of saying no, yeah. and like the hand is—it's like when someone asks there. for, "Can I take one of your chips?" But their hand is already in the chip, or yeah, about, your you crisps, know? even. Yeah, your crisps. Your Mr.
0: <laughs> Tatos. Yeah, <laughs> that is a piece of audacity that isn't okay because it's about your own bodily autonomy. Mm-hmm. It's similar to what Sarah Rose was talking about around your own bodily autonomy. We have a big issue in Northern Ireland with abortion being illegal. And in other parts of the world, including America, there's moves to take that bodily autonomy away from women. If we're not in charge of what goes on inside of us, how do we have any other human rights? And it's a similar issue, really. Somebody coming up and thinking, I own your hair enough. Even though I don't know you, I own your hair enough to touch it. And it's part of women feeling like public property, which then there is an extra intersection for women of colour.
2: Yeah, absolutely. And... um People have compared it to me. They're like, "Oh, well, that's kind of like you know when you're pregnant and people touch your belly," which is again uh, an invasion of your autonomy and like your body, your bodily autonomy. But that's not racialized in the mm. same way, so it's different. Like the thing with the hair is emerging from a history, like not that distant a history, and a history that we very much live with the consequences of the legacy of where white people owned black people, so we're entirely entitled to ownership and control of our bodies so i think it's actually a legacy of that kind of entitlement because it never happens in the reverse i've actually conducted not a very scientific experiment but an experiment of sorts where i've just accosted white women on the street (laughs) and um, just been like oh my god is that your real hair that's mad like the way i won't say what i would have said because it's kind of borderline offensive but it's the equivalent of what people say to me and the shock and the horror and the surprise mm. like they're terrified I don't usually get very far because they're just terrified and a lot of like women do it to me and men do it to me as well and when I'm do if I do it to white women the shock and the terror if I was a black man doing it to yeah. white women
0: I don't think he'd get very far. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, so yeah, yeah, he might get arrested or something. Exactly. But white men do that to you? They him oh, yeah. up and they just go, oh, wow, is your hair real? And they start it, touching uh,
2: It's me. not even like, oh, wow. Certainly when I was growing up, it was way more like, what the fuck is that?
3: Like... <laughs> <'Cause> you, you <laughs> like, grew up in ireland and it's i grew, like, grew up like, in dublin yeah yeah and it's yeah The like so people white. would just
2: be like oh my god look at her hair and then they'd come over and they'd be like jesus the state of that so they wouldn't even be talking to me they'd just be like having what, talking this... about you yeah <laughs> over the top of your head yeah. to each other yeah yeah so as i've grown and become older it's become more polite <laughs> because they'll actually engage me but when yeah. i was younger it was just about
0: me often. wow so yeah Do you find you're a double target now that you're pregnant because it could be sort of like a hair belly double. <laughs> so
2: you would think, but funnily enough, that hasn't, it's never happened to me. Not with this pregnancy or with my son either. So for some reason, people are like quite hands off when it comes to me being pregnant. But when it's my hair, it's like open season. Wow, so that's interesting. <laughs> yeah, That's
0: really interesting. What's
3: the reactions been? Like, how do you react now when someone tries to touch your hair? And how does the person react to you? Uh, reacting to them touching your hair?
2: Recently, um, I was in a Vietnamese restaurant and it wasn't an afro, it was just my hair in braids. When my hair is in braids, I actually personally feel less triggered, for want of a better word, by it. Because when it's just my hair texture, And people are responding in this way, like, what the fuck is this? Like, how did you get your hair like that? How does anybody's hair look like that? That's not a style. That's just, like, the way my hair grows. And the fact that that causes so much kind of fascination and shock and just surprise, like, just really, that really makes me feel like a spectacle or, like, something that's on show or on display. But when it's actually because I have, like, an intricate or ornate hairstyle, that changes it and I'm like okay maybe the person is just interested in like the styling technique but anyway I had a braided style and this Vietnamese woman was like oh your hair is really beautiful and then she touched I think she asked me but for some reason it didn't really bother me the energy was just such that in that moment it didn't bother me and we actually ended up having a really nice conversation in that instance I was thinking maybe because the history isn't so loaded between me and her I don't know but also this the intention seemed different But then equally, I could just be like, no. It really depends. I had one instance quite recently where a kind of middle-aged white woman was just like, oh my God, is that your real hair? Can I touch it? I was saying no, and she already had like a handful of it. And I was like, sorry, did you not hear me or do you not understand? And she was just like, what do you mean? And I I said, you can't touch it. Can you please remove your hand from my body? And she was just like, you're an incredibly rude individual. (laughs) And I was just like... Fuck off. Like, you, <laughs> like you've you come up to me. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah. If you ask, you have to be prepared for no. For even no. if that's yeah. embarrassing for you, don't ask if you can't hear no. And don't touch without asking. Those are the basics. But it's also kind of weird to ask. Or oh, to even very, want to. Oh, it's like, very weird to ask, but I'm trying to get into her head. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I would never ask, and I think it's weird to ask, but in anything in life, don't ask unless you're prepared to hear no. Yeah. You can't ask, and then the person says no, and then you go, you are so rude. <laughs> dare it's like, you? well, clearly the question was rhetorical. <laughs> yeah, exactly, that's, exactly. You felt you had an entitlement, mm-hmm. and so that's where the audacity sits. That, you know, I have an entitlement
2: to yeah. touch you. If you think as recently as 1917 I think the year was there was a black African man <laughs> in a zoo in New York yeah. so it's really like in the last hundred years that black people were on display as animals often or as wildlife so there's a very recent history of that kind of spectacle of black features and the black body so it's all very loaded and like
3: what relationship do you have with your hair throughout your life being an ex-catholic I have a weird relationship of sex and like sometimes I love it, and sometimes I like that wouldn't be for me now, that type of thing. So, and it's because got of, all that going on. Yeah. As well. Oh yeah, of course. <laughs> but you're a product of like you know your environment that you've grown up in, and and what's your journey been like for you with your hair?
2: Yeah. So as a young child, like I just hated it, and I couldn't understand why I had it because there was nobody around me that had the same type of hair, not even like in my own family. And there were very few black people, like, in Ireland in that time. So in my immediate kind of world, there was nobody with hair like mine. And even in terms of representation, I wouldn't have seen anybody with the type of hair texture that I had. And it caused, like, so much, um, as I've described, like, people just being like, what the fuck's wrong with her? I just hated it and just thought it was, like, something that was wrong with me, like a disfigurement almost... I just, like, desperately wanted to have kind of limp, mousy brown hair. (laughs) Like, I would have literally killed for that. So, yeah, I just wanted to, like, you know, look normal. And especially, like, for little girls, like, straight, thick blonde hair. Like Rapunzel. Yeah, was, like, the holy grail. But I would have just settled for, like, mousy brown. All little girls that just had really long hair and did all this stuff with
0: their hair that I was just, like, totally excluded from. I had just, like, a really short afro. I had a... um, And in no way to equate it doesn't stack up in any way but i had a school teacher in australia we were all meant to be allowed to audition for the school dancing competition and we all went to like ballet or jazz ballet after school so we we're all excited and i didn't have any friends so i was really really excited my only friend at this point was god um He's i went a to, good pal
3: to have well, in I your corner
0: to, i'd moved to a new school and i went to sunday school and they said god is your friend and that was literally true at that point because I don't have any other friends. So I was thinking, if I get picked for the school dancing competition, I'll be in a girl band. It's going to be easy. I'm going to be cool. I've got a friend. And the day that we were meant to be allowed to audition, Miss Power, her name, Dickensian, stood up, real name, Nasty McPower. she was called. Um, uh, (laughs) She wasn't. She stood up and went, right, all the blonde girls stand up. And then all the blonde girls were put up against a wall and she went down picking the ones that she thought were the prettiest. And she went, you three and Janine Henney. And Janine Henney had brown hair but she was an awesome dancer. She had trophies. And it was at that point I realised if you were brunette, you needed a talent. It wasn't going to be enough. Like, I was never in Australia going to get by on hair colour alone. Um, <laughs> and I, but it really made me work on my skills. Because I went, well, if I'd just been poor blood... But I used to think, how old do I have to be before I'm allowed to dye my hair? Um, it does mean a lot.
5: Yeah, like I said five
0: things would happen the past ten. Oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> oh, okay. Bullshit. All right. Um... <laughs> Thank you to everybody at uh, the Limelight in Belfast. Everybody who's come out, everyone who's said anything, Sarah Rose, Kate Talbot with Kate Bingo. And my amazing co-pilot, Alison Spittle. go and buy Don't Touch My Hair it's a brilliant book or get the audio book if you prefer podcasts the audio book's brilliant it's a really important thing to listen to or to read Uh, so get your copy ideally get it in a hardback and in the audio book I know that because I have a book and my publisher doesn't like me saying I mean no nothing You have been listening to The Guilty Feminist with me, Deborah Francis White, guest stars Dallas and Spitzer, and our very special guest, Emma Daviri. The recording engineer was Chris Morrow. Music was by Mark Hodge and the producer was Tom Salinski for The Spontaneity Show. Thanks to Luke and Phil McIntyre, Entertainment and everyone at the Limelight as well as all of you for listening. More information about this and other episodes visit guiltyfeminist.com. Thank you so much, Belfast. You've been absolutely amazing. We will definitely be you've been a really wonderful audience thank you so much <laughs> apparently we've all got a clear apparently we've got to clear out of here because there's a club so I uh, either come back into the limelight uh, go and see the amazing punk band uh, gender chores at the OES Center or we'll see you at filthy McNasty's. thank you very much Um, but
3: she had a pelvic. Yeah, no, 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 oh. but she referenced now for Night, yeah. Cool. Um, so Jesus, I can't keep up now. No. Uh, but All like these Sarah hashtags. Rose, How about just hashtag leave us the fuck alone <laughs> to <laughs> govern ourselves? <laughs> Sorry. Don't start the troubles
0: again, please. Okay. <laughs> uh, literally just come here for one night and you were going to start the troubles.
3: And it, yeah. uh, so many things you've said could mean. I'm not <laughs> I don't know how to respond to this in a way that will... <laughs> not, not start the troubles. Not start the troubles. Sure. We didn't start the troubles. No, no. <laughs> no. <laughs> no. <laughs> no.
0: <laughs> Billy Joel is not the answer right now. I've said that to you before, Alison, today. It's not the first time I've said that to her today. She <laughs> thinks Billy Joel is the answer to everything.
5: <laughs> Hello, all you lovely guilty feminists. This is Sim And I wanted to tell you that as of today, the 5th of September, I am going back on tour with my show Sandhog. It is starting at the Bloomsbury Theatre today, but there are no tickets for that, so why am I even telling you? However, after this, I will be in Cambridge, that's tomorrow, then Nottingham, then Bristol, then Liverpool, then Maidenhead, then Salisbury, then Exeter, Brighton, Redditch, Oxford, Watford, Southend, Colchester, Hayes, Hexham, Edinburgh, Newcastle, Glasgow, maybe Kirkcaldy. Let's see, buy some tickets, then I'll come there. Otherwise, then back in Aberdeen, and then Bury St. Edmunds, Canterbury, Leeds, Harrogate, North Allerton, Southport, uh, Chipping Norton, and then Leicester, and then Birmingham, and then maybe Crew. buy some tickets in Crew, people, so I can come there, and then I'm going to come to Camberley. Swansea, Bath, Cheltenham, Potter's Bar, North Finchley, Taunton, uh, The Lowry in Salford, and that's it. So all of those dates, it ends sort of end of November. Please buy a ticket to come see me if you're in one of those towns or if you're near one of those towns. If you know people who you like or even people you don't like, frankly, tell them to buy a ticket. The show is about, it's about love. It's about the love we have for our parents, for our kids for our partners and how difficult it really is to love anyone consistently for a long time because it's demanding love anyway so do buy a ticket please come love to see you there also if there's a general election make sure you get out and vote that's important what else do i want to tell you that's about it you know just come to my show make sure you vote and most of all be well and be good to one another
1: Bye.